Traumatic subarachnoid hemorrhage is common, seen in a large number of patients who present with an abnormal acute CT for traumatic brain injury. We tend to think of subarachnoid hemorrhage in the setting of aneurysms, but really the only thing they share in common is in the space in which the blood accumulates, namely the subarachnoid space, located between the pia mater, which is adherent to the underlying brain parenchyma, and the arachnoid layer, which is adherent to the overlying meningeal layer. All aspects differ between traumatic subarachnoid and aneurysmal subarachnoid. Firstly, traumatic subarachnoid usually does not result from a ruptured aneurysm. Rather, there are a number of postulated mechanisms for the development of traumatic subarachnoid blood, and I'm sure that each of these is responsible for bleeding in some patients. I'm also certain, however, that it isn't always possible to work out which mechanism is responsible in a given patient, and so further imaging is often required. The easiest mechanism to understand, and I think one of the most commonly encountered, is where subarachnoid blood results from disruption of the pia mater and superficial brain parenchyma. In other words, a superficial hemorrhagic contusion. It may be so shallow as to not be visible on imaging on the initial scan, but often on repeat scans one or two days later, a small contusion can be discerned as edema increases. The distribution of this sort of blood is therefore very similar to the location of expected contusions, which we will discuss later. But briefly, you expect to see this sort of blood in a number of locations. Firstly, immediately deep to the primary impact on the skull, and often more pronounced directly opposite it, so-called the contra-coup pattern. Secondly, along the floor of the anterior cranial fossa, and thirdly, in the anterior aspect of the middle cranial fossa. A second important mechanism to consider is that of large arterial dissection. This occurs most commonly in the vertebral artery, or supraclinoid internal carotid artery, going into the middle cerebral artery. You may have asked yourself, why is it that intracranial dissection rupture, but dissections elsewhere in the body don't do so very often? Well, the answer is that intracranial arteries have very limited, if any, adventitia, and thus when a dissection extends through the endothelium and into the media, there really isn't very much stopping it from reaching the subarachnoid space. These patients will usually have much more blood and localised to the vessels, and CTA is, of course, necessary. There are a number of other postulated mechanisms for non-aneurysmal traumatic subarachnoid blood, including shear injury to small peel vessels and sudden rise in arterial or venous pressure. But the third important cause that I have to mention is an aneurysmal hemorrhage. The truth is that in many instances, why trauma occurred is not terribly well documented. Think of a typical example of a single driver car losing control and smacking into a tree or another car or something. The patient comes in with facial fractures and cerebral contusions and subarachnoid blood. Sure, it might all be traumatic and the distribution will help you, but it is also possible that the reason they lost control of the car is that they had a spontaneous aneurysmal hemorrhage while driving. So the lesson is, unless the distribution of blood is very much non-aneurysmal, in other words, away from the circle of Willis and preferably adjacent to contusion, and especially if it is unclear why the trauma occurred, then err on the side of obtaining arterial imaging to ensure that you are not dealing with an aneurysm or dissection.